We come to God's Word once again and hear a short reflection. Let's, let's come to God in prayer first. Father, we, we come tonight to remember what you did on this night so long ago, what you did on the cross on Good Friday. Father, we thank you for the work that you've done, and the work that you did, and the work you continue to do in, your, in our lives and in the life of these congregations. Father, we pray as we come to your word once again that you continue to speak to us as you have throughout the other readings and that you focus our hearts and minds on what you have to say. May we hear you clearly tonight. We pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this evening. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, as a, as a congregation, faith community church, we've been going through the book of Philippians during this season. And as I was deciding what passages to preach where, I came to this passage for Maundy Thursday, and I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting passage to have for Maundy Thursday, and it actually, I think, fits relatively well, and so I decided to put a little reflection time in here to connect how um, this passage from Philippians connects with what we're doing tonight. So from Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9, the Apostle Paul writes, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is Lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. There's a, there's a famous quote by a man named uh, Leo Tolstoy. He was an author and lots of things. He said, happy families are all alike, but every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And I was thinking of that this past week as I had a young man that I've discipled over the years, kind of on and off, and he's been connected to the church and not connected to the church and having a lot of conversations with him, and he was writing to me frustrated with 
the church in general, saying, I've been trying to find a church that I can be involved in and that I can fit in with, and I just can't find a church, and every church I go to has something frustrating going on in it. And, I, and he wanted my advice. And I found myself quoting Tolstoy just in a different way, saying, every church is messy, and every church is messy in its own way. So find a church and commit to it. But it's true that we will never, ever, ever, ever find a perfect church because there are no perfect people and churches are filled with people. And we're even filled with people who say we are sinners in need of a Savior, that we're all messed up. So every church is messy and every church is messy in its own way. And I don't know if it provides comfort. It provides comfort to me. To some, it maybe provides despair. (laughs) But the church has always been this way. (laughs) I mean, the reason every single book of the New Testament was written to a messy church, that's why Paul was writing it. And even we've been going through the book of Philippians, which is the the book of joy. and, And yet, here we have a conflict in the church. A conflict between Yodia and Sintiki. And they're not just, I don't know what you want to say, not just regular women in the church. They're really influential women in the church. The, Paul says they are fellow workers with me in the gospel. He talks about them like being fellow soldiers with him and other apostles in the gospel. They're, they're really influential people in the church. And they're fighting with one another. And it's even more interesting, as as I studied this, there's some speculation. So know that this is speculation, it's not fact. But it's a really good possibility. We do know when Paul went to Philippi to preach the gospel, the first place he went was to a women's prayer gathering down by a river. He knew the women were praying by the river, so he went down, he preached the gospel, and it said Lydia, who was one of the women there, heard the gospel, believed, was converted, and most likely the church met in her house. But some scholars speculate whether Yodia and Sintiki were part of that same group. Charter members of the church, founding members of the church, Lydia, Yodia, Sintiki possibly were founding members of the church, and now here they are fighting. It starts to tear the church apart. And Paul says, I plead with you too. He says it two times. I plead with you, Yodi. I plead with you, Sintiki. Be reconciled. Agree with one another in the Lord. It's that important. He just he begs and pleads. He even, he even brings in a third party and says, you loyal yoke fellow, you know who you are. My partner, come and help these two women Get along and reconcile. Don't, don't dilly-dally with this. Be reconciled. It's true in, in all of our congregations that reconciliation is really a significant part of the Christian life. And yes, every church is messy. And every church is messy in its own way, but we don't glory in the mess And we don't play around in the mud, but we seek reconciliation when we have wronged someone or when they have wronged us. 
Jesus says, if you have realized you've sinned against your brother and find yourself at the altar, drop your gifts, drop everything, go be reconciled with them, and then come back and worship. Don't mess around. Don't ignore the situation. Don't wait for them to make the first move, right? That's what we usually do. Well, they're the ones who did it to me. I'm going to sit back and they can be the ones to come to me. No! Go be reconciled with your brother or sister. And one of the things as I've, as I've worked through this passage over the years, I really appreciate the way Paul moves into these principles of working through conflict in the church or principles as, as, we're, as we're dealing with messy situations in the church. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. That's not disconnected from the conflict. That's in the midst of the conflict. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again. Rejoice. He says, be gentle and reasonable. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will be given to you. He says, watch how you think. Whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, Whatever is good, think about those things and, and watch how you act. Because follow the way that Jesus taught you how to act. And if we start to think about some of that, those are all really hard to do in the midst of some conflict, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not easy for us to rejoice in the midst of conflict. It's pretty easy for us to be crabby and frustrated and, as C.S. Lewis's character, puddle glum. Paul says, be reasonable and gentle. In the midst of conflict, those are not easy things to do. Sometimes we become harsh and critical and judgmental. He says, don't be anxious. He says, pray. And sadly, a lot of times we find ourselves in the midst of conflict. As the conflict rises up, our prayer time ends up dropping away. It says, watch how you think. You find yourself in conflict, it becomes really, really easy to think lots of nasty things about that one person who did that one thing. And he says, watch it. Watch how you act. In the midst of conflict, you find yourself doing things that you would maybe never think you would do or saying things you never think you would say. And Paul says to push back against those things in the midst of a messy church, he says, Rejoice. Be reasonable. Be gentle. Pray. Think on lovely things. Live the way Christ has taught you. And you can counter some of that conflict. But Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, I think teaches us another path forward in the midst of conflict. Another picture that comes up over and over through Philippians says the evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
I always stop when it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power. He knew that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to Him. And so what did He do? He put a towel around His waist and took the form of a servant and served His disciples. He had all authority in heaven and on earth and He humbled Himself, took the form of a servant. And later on, after it all happens, He gets to His disciples and says, do you understand what it is that I've just done? You call me teacher and Lord, and and rightly so, because that's who I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus teaches us in the midst of a messy church, in the midst of conflict, humbling ourselves and taking the form of a servant is countering that conflict. It's necessary. It's a necessary part of that. The same night, he instituted a meal a supper, or I like to call it a family meal. And it's a reminder of Christ's broken body and His blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, but it's also a reminder that we who are many are one body and that we've been united into Christ and now we are a family. And I remember the first time I took part of the Lord's Supper in the midst of a contentious church conflict. It was a powerful thing. A a church was fighting. Emotions were high. People were being sassy and sharp words were going back and forth and they were bickering. And then Sunday came and it was the Lord's Supper. And I remember walking up and I had had... fairly intense conversation with somebody and then I stood next to them and was reminded that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and that they're a sinner in need of a Savior and that we're part of the same family. That we are one. And I watched over and over and over as people who had been fighting stood next to each other and said, we are sinners and we need a Savior but we are one in Christ and we are one family. So the church can be messy, (laughs) but it does not change the fact that we are a family united in Christ. And so Paul says, work it out. Be, Be reconciled to one another. Christ died so that our sins could be forgiven and that we would be united to one another in fellowship. So look to him. Rejoice in him. Pray to him. Be reconciled to one another so that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, can reign in our congregations. Let's pray. Father, what a powerful work you have done in each one of our lives and in the life of the church. You have redeemed us. 
And you have cleansed our sin. And you have united many different people from different places, different backgrounds, into one body. And we thank you for that work. Father, we confess that we often mess it up. We often fight and bicker over foolish things. And we ask your forgiveness. And we ask you to give us strength and courage and humility to make things right when we wrong a fellow brother or sister and humility and courage to receive correction when it comes. And may you continue to unite us more and more to yourself and to one another, making us the family that you have created. Father, thank you for your work. and Thank you for this meal that repeatedly reminds us what you've done and who we are. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.